Welcome to the IAB UK podcast. Hello and welcome to the IAB UK podcast. From the IAB, I'm James Chandler. And this week, I got to sit across the table from not one, but two powerhouses in Global's DAX Armoury. Strategy Director, Julia Connelton, and Mungo Knot, Commercial Platform and Product Director for Outdoor. We, of course, get into the inception of DAX and the critical acclaim it received in those early years. Then on to the unprecedented bit of consolidation, which seemingly came from nowhere, which was global buying up three leading out-of-home businesses. And we talk about the unique things about this unique media owner, the data, the insights, the level of creativity on offer. There's some lockdown reflections in there too, and a sprinkling of third-party cookie chat rounded off by me pressing a little on what we can expect next. But we start with Jules and her recounting a potted history of DAX. DAX Audio officially launched back in 2014. So if you can remember the world back then, we were just about moving into programmatic networks and talking about DSPs. I think right media was still the thing back then. Yeah, it was good old days. So DAX Audio was really there to serve a purpose. If you remember, again, looking back then, there would have been multiple different fragmented audio listening opportunities for a listener. So things like Deezer, Spotify was obviously big in the market. Bauer was moving into digital. Global was moving into digital, mm. along with a, a handful of you know smaller companies and also the likes of Enemy, Mix Mag, Ministry of Sound, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Really, the thinking for DAX was to help consumers be able to buy, so advertisers to be able to buy all of those audiences in one easy place. Yeah. So instead of having to have 10, 20 different conversations, yeah. so doing the same as what you were doing with the likes of a right media back in the day mm. from a digital perspective and applying it to digital audio and it was you're so right it was just full of ad networks there was no like overarching thing like i remember media plans with like 20 different sort of networks and things like that <laughs> so it was crazy to sort of talk about it now you just saying things like deezer and we seven you know they feel like they're sort of so long ago how was it received when it came to market you weren't at dax at the time you must have still been agency side correct i was in starcom i think at the time so yeah that was quite a long time ago when it first came to market it was really sold alongside radio so it was a global digital audio product but alongside complementing obviously the radio stations that we have so for people that aren't aware that would be capital heart classic radio x etc etc and that was the first conversation so it was going to av team saying you've got this amazing audience that listens to radio you can now do the same in digital audio so it's very similar to the original sale if you remember again back in the day of how tv and vog was sold the incremental the incrementality and the cover curves of going you know if you've got a cover curve of 80 percent on a total tv plan if you add vod to it and you reduce your tv your your cover curve might go up to 85 or 90 percent it was a similar sell for Global and DAX back in the day of really having Got that it. proof point of saying there are incremental audiences listening to digital audio that you cannot reach with radio yeah. and it will increase your reach and it'll increase your scale and it'll increase the, you know, the listening experience across that breadth of platforms yeah. if you include digital audio on a plan. And podcasts weren't even in the mix, weren't even talking about them. In, they in were very small, mm. but that, you know, it was really a coming market back in 2014. So there yeah. were some, but it was very early days for podcasts. Yeah. Certainly when there's a guy that obviously works with Ryan Romery, he's our commercial director of yeah. DAX. He had a, a figure in his head for 2018, I think it was, of that we were going to get 10 million listeners of podcasts and everyone was so excited about <laughs> that. 
And then it happened. And everyone's like, oh my goodness, Ryan is the best thing ever. <laughs> He's the genius. What else can you predict? <laughs> we should have, it could be a segment on the podcast, Ryan Remery predicts, and then we sort of go there you go. back in a year later. Predictive trends at the end of the year. I like that. We fast forward a few years and uh, Global goes out on a bit of a spend- spending spree. Mungo and buys in sort of unprecedented way three massive outdoor companies prime site where you came in exterior and outdoor plus i mean it's remarkable really i remember the kind of the news when it happened but you know there's really been anything like that since no absolutely i mean it was a, a great thing i mean i've enjoyed many years in in outdoor and have seen it work as a fantastic sort of pure advertising mm. medium and Global decided that they wanted a piece of that as well and came in and not doing anything by halves. <laughs> they just committed, one. committed to the idea and took the opportunity to, yeah, make a substantial stake in the marketplace. Yeah. Was there ever then, do you think, this idea that you'd start to combine the audio side of the business and the outdoor side of the business? I mean, it's just not an immediate thing. You think about how agencies are structured. There's no sort of audio slash outdoor team that sits together. They've always been sort of very separate functions and I guess always have been as channels. And I wonder if that was ever in mind. Well, I think you've got to, first of all, appreciate each medium for its own benefits. So the audio medium for its benefits and the outdoor medium. And you've got to understand that those strengths are really going to work for advertisers. Then is there an opportunity to bring together for advertisers solutions that incorporate both of those channels at the same time, certainly there will be some. Yeah. And that's an opportunity which we will continue to look at. And it's great when that synergy provides something a little bit more than either the sum of the parts. Yeah. Where are some of those synergies, do you think, Jules? Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to just add as well briefly to Mungo's point is the other side of that is how the agencies feel about it. Yeah. Because almost as soon as we bought the two companies... Their expectation, therefore, is, you know, we've already cracked it. We've got a view of how those two channels work together and that, therefore, there was a plan in place as to how we would connect the two behind the scenes. You were doing the heavy lifting for them. Exactly, yeah. Certainly from the synergy perspective, you know, the things that was a really interesting side is the data play. So from a DAX perspective, when we're looking at, you know, DAX is about targeted audiences. It's around that contextual targeting and reaching people in the right moments. Mm. There is absolutely a play that you can do across programmatic outdoor and also digital audio thinking about where an audience is who that audience is that you want to talk to and how you then go about reaching that audience in a particular location and that's really the synergy that it brings and that we're looking at from a planning perspective as to how we best integrate the two mediums together yeah and was it that you'd you know by that point when those businesses were acquired the audio bit I guess had been established and there's almost a blueprint there it's like okay we'll go and go and now do this but without door Yeah, exactly. I mean, the business was already six years old by the time we bought the outdoor part of the business. So there was that expectation of going, right, you know, you know that you've done this brilliantly. You know that you can do the exclusive partnerships in market. How do we do that then with the outdoor side? So from Mungo coming on board and obviously leading the DAX Outdoor Project, Mungo was integral in bringing along other partners such as Smart Outdoor and Ad City Media so that it's not just global inventory in the programmatic outdoor part of DAX. Yeah. Back on the agency, Bungo, I mean, there's with lots of channels that have once been only traditional or linear and have become digital, when you get into agencies, they're all structured in slightly different ways. We touched on VOD there for a minute. I mean, VOD, when I, I remember back in my days, could either be bought by a TV team, a digital team, or these sort of newly emerging sort of programmatic type teams who had you know search capability, that kind of thing. Was it received by the 
outdoor community at large agency side? I think that is a challenge Mm. and it's an ongoing challenge, which is everyone knows where traditionally outdoor has been purchased and agencies have had specialist organisations, in fact, specialist companies, as we Mm. call them, who've concentrated on buying outdoor over many years and providing that service to the agencies and to their clients. And then as uh, technology has become a more integral part of uh, the operation and specifically from our point of view created DAX and moved to a fully open RTB right. programmatic trading opportunity the then it is from the buy side who implements that who makes that decision to your point mm-hmm. you know does that sit with the programmatic teams who are previously purchasing and making decisions about online or the outdoor teams because it's part of the outdoor or where does that sit and you know DAX we only started this in 2019 2020 really when we started getting going so we're only a couple of years into that and we're getting to the we've got to the point where we've provided now scale we have 3,000 screens across the UK that can be purchased programmatically Mm -hmm through the DAX platform, but it's still relatively early days. And so agencies are still working out what is the right solution and how do they combine effectively three different purchasing methods. (laughs) One is the traditional, Mm -hmm. let's create a plan and put it together, and that could involve classic outdoor, which yep. still has great strengths. You know, we have a lot of transport network, bus sides, underground posters that are not digital yep. and they perform a very important function. So you've got that. You've then got a decision about executing campaigns that are digital, but maybe are being planned and bought up front. And there is some technology that starts to make that a little bit easier because. Yep. Got a lot more granularity sometimes around the decisioning you want to take about how you place a digital ad. You're no longer restricted to those two weeks, but that creates complexity yeah. about how you make that happen. Yeah. And then finally, you've got the most flexible mm. approach, which is fully programmatic, yeah. making that instant decision to buy an ad now, not just serve a piece of creative, but actually buy it or not buy it. Yeah. And so those three different channels have to find the right ownership, if you like, and the right yeah. paths to be executed with the agencies. And absolutely, that is something which different agencies are still working on at different speeds. I guess there's the execution bit. If you go a little bit higher up the food chain, I mean, it feels like it's a sort of planner strategist dream. The fact that, you know, these two things have a little bit of synergy between them. It's got all of the stuff we know and love about traditional audio and outdoor, plus this new programmatic element is that where the sweet spot is getting at that sort of strategic level i guess rather than the very executional specialist level where you know they're going to have a pot of money and they're going to plan something but you want to be you know embedded right in the heart of something i'd say it's both you need to be able to ensure that the programmatic buyers the people that are actually there you know physically doing the campaigns Mm. understand what is there what are the capabilities and how do they go about planning it and how does it 
complement the other medias that they are looking at from a digital perspective and omnichannel. However, on the flip side, we also need to be having those higher up conversations with the strategists, also as well with investment directors. So, I mean, it's literally been almost from the top down of having those conversations. You know, you go right at the top and say, this is what it is. This is how it works. This is the benefit to you. You then go to your strategists and planners and explain the contextual nature and why you'd put that on a plan and the roles that it can play and the roles and the goals really and the opportunities for a client and how that aligns with the planning that they're doing. And then you move it all the way down, either through the, you know, whoever the buyer is. Because of the way at the moment, you know, audio and outdoor are, we have AV buyers and digital buyers looking at audio. We have outdoor specialists. We have digital buyers looking at the outdoor side. Mm. So you have to almost have the comms planning conversation as well. Yeah. To yeah. be able to loop it all back together. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I wonder if that will change over time. I mean, there's a view of the world that I've seen on lots of conference stages that actually all media, you know, whether it's outdoor audio, telly, whatever it might be, will be bought by someone at a terminal with about five screens in front of them, trade, you know, sort of trading floor example, you know, headphones on, just sort of doing all the buys and that kind of thing. You, you sort of lose the specialism in there somewhere, don't you? Yeah, you do. And, you know, well, there's a whole load of stuff on the news at the moment about, you know, AI. bots and yeah, yeah, AI yeah. and all that sort of stuff suddenly <laughs> taking over the world. And actually, what is the role of humans in that? I think we have luckily quite a role to play for a few <laughs> years to come. So I'm confident in that. Yeah. Having said that, the technology is increasingly used to help people make those decisions, mm. incorporating more data in order to decide what is appropriate, what's the right moment, how do I execute it to make it more efficient for businesses? No doubt there's a drive there. And so I think there is going to be more of that. But ultimately, you've still got to have the strategist at the agency and indeed the client who has a clear idea of, first of all, what do I need to achieve? But also, and I think this is our responsibility as media owners and also as advertising agencies, advising clients, helping them to understand what is possible. Mm. And what is possible is different now to what was possible even two or three years ago. And the more that we can help people understand that, the more they can then apply some great creative thinking to how that might benefit brands and there is less focus on the effort involved in executing it mm. because machines do make that a lot easier. Yes. There's a, and I forget which brilliant person said it on LinkedIn, but it's basically we should be using AI to take away all the efficient admin stuff from humans so we can have more time to actually be creative, not get it to do the creative things it sort of defeats. Yeah, them. absolutely. And you look at DAX and actually it's, you know, one of those examples of how technology, you know, if I'd have said at the beginning of my career that someone would be able just to program a computer to bid when it was certain conditions or there was some factor that said it's the right moment in time, it bid, it sent a creative, it automatically appeared on a digital screen and then it sent the message back to say it had played, I would have you know, thought that was a different world. And here we are. It's, you know, it's terrific, really. What unique things are they? I always remember, I was working on ice cream brands and ice cream brands loved it because as soon as the, you know, all of their 
econometrics data, so sales data says, you know, as soon as the temperature hits 24 and a half degrees, ice cream mm-hmm. sales sort of go through the roof. Therefore, we're going to, you know, the advent of programmatic out of home was amazing. We'll just like light up all of these screens sort of suddenly. What other very unique things are there that like, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff. So actually, people talk about the sun. Strangely, we'd run a, a campaign actually about snow. And the client in that instance was saying to people, it's snowing now in this resort, effectively giving a context to the message. Why don't you think about oh, going nice, skiing? Nice. You know? yeah. And so I think it's all about context. Yeah, weather is one of them. Clients can use their own data there. Mm-hmm. For instance, you can use footfall data. You can put sensors in the stores themselves and say, is my store empty at the moment? Do I need to attract people in? Mm. And you can immediately say, yeah, this store is empty than it should be. Let's start putting some ads on some digital signage that is in proximity to that store, attract them in. We've had data that's been created as a result of traffic or underground information. And people might use that to say, you know, this this line is running smoothly, you can get here, or perhaps there are issues and here's maybe a different way of traveling. So a whole range. And I think people are just beginning to work out what are all the data sources. And it goes back to my point about understanding what the opportunities are, because if you get that right, and if you use data that is really pertinent to your business and you apply that to making a decision about when you're buying your media, people have been doing that in online for a while, but in outdoor, it's really possible now. And it feels very different to online in the sense that I'm not using data to target you on a very personal device that sits in your pocket, like your phone, or any various permissions to do that. I'm doing it. And neither of you guys need to worry about, you know, there's an industry that is clucking and trying to get ducks in a row because cookies are going to go away, third-party cookies are going away. You're not lying in bed at night worrying too much about... No, and that, absolutely. That's a challenge for other parts of the industry. And we are not talking in a personalised way to individuals, but we are talking and able to talk in a contextual way yeah. so we can yeah. make the ad they are seeing relevant to those people at that moment in time. Mm. And we absolutely know that drives better awareness and better results yeah. as a, by doing that correctly. So I think that, yeah, you're absolutely right. These are opportunities. Mm. And the fact that we are a public medium, one of the great benefits is that you're not just talking to one person. That person knows other people are seeing it around. It's collective experience. Yeah, 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 outdoor yeah, yeah. is definitely a collective yeah. experience. And the best outdoor really brings people around. And you see sometimes that happening, yeah, yeah. everyone seeing those yeah. types of ads and enjoying them. And the context is so important in audio as well, whether it's the smart speaker or it's headphones, whether it's someone on a commute or, you know, they're at home. I mean, it's a dream for publishers as well. Context just becomes, well, maybe it's never stopped being king, but it's become really important. Yeah, it does feel a little bit like we're in a time machine (laughs) because context was, you know, really important 10 plus years ago. And now we're, you know, that's becoming the primary priority again. So context, you know, genre targeting, playlist targeting, verticals, all of those are really important as is the personalization in the same way using dynamic triggers so that you can still localize a creative. You can still talk about, you know, airlines talking about particular cities or destinations. You know, you can make that more interesting and exciting. And then moving into the sort of slightly newer space, things like the smart speaker interactive ads. You know, again, they've been around for a couple of years. We've done some trials with them. Obviously, some of our competitors have as well. And it's a really exciting, different thing to just get involved with and, you know, to try pushing people through to 
purchase or through to consideration and mm. thinking from that angle as well. Yeah. I always love the thing with smart speakers. Often it's always the technology is always there, but it's actually the human behavior, the, the bit that has to kind of catch up. Yeah, exactly. There was a brilliant example, Russell Buckley, the guy who sold AdMob to Google, who always used to talk about chip and pin and how, sorry, contactless, like contactless technology has been around for a lot longer than what we think, but it's actually like, try and convince my dad to not pay with cash and just to tap his card. <laughs> like, so it's actually the human behaviour that's always got to catch up. It's probably the same with smart yeah. speakers. You know, but it almost took the pandemic for people to actually do that that's and to course. actually really push yeah. that higher. Our mm-hmm. visa used to be my clients, so we used to know sort of all the percentages of people that were doing it and using yeah. it and the conversation were, you know, how do you drive this behavior? And then obviously something big changed and, you know, it drove it because yeah. people didn't want to touch cash anymore. And behavior change is a lot harder actually than developing the new, <laughs> developing exactly. new technology. Yeah. What's next then, Jules? I mean, podcast feels like a big bet for global. I mean, we see the data in ad spend all the time. It's that wonderful, you know, up and to the right hockey stick shaped exponential growth that we, what's kind of, what's coming So, I mean, podcasts absolutely, mm. you know, critical for us. We've had some brilliant releases over the last year, such as the news agents. That's done brilliantly well for John Sapel and so the mate Lewis and Lewis. So that, that, you know, will continue and that sort of strand of the business will continue. We've also moved into mobile gaming with audio ads in mobile gaming wow. with partnership with Odeo. Nice. That's an interesting space that we're looking at and we're, you know, seeing that grow and develop. That's booming as well, gaming. Yeah, gaming is huge. Mm. You know, people, you see it all the time, don't you? You're on the train commuting to work yeah. or commuting home and everyone has yeah. just had head down in some sort of puzzle game. So it's the perfect environment. Other areas are things like text-to-speech. That's something that we've started dabbling in as well, which is really, you know, it's that classic thing of, you know, a lot of journalism and journalists talk about the fact that people read the first paragraph of an article or they read the headline of it because we're so used to scrolling and you think that you've read the whole thing. You're like, oh, okay, I've read that. I know what that story is about. The idea with an audio article is that you don't have to then commit to reading it you know you have somebody actually listening and reading it to Uh, you so you can do other things you can scroll you can play you can listen to you know you can do your social media activities at the same time as listening to a playlist of all the news articles that you wanted to hear so there's lots of different things you know basically audio is evolving all over the place A couple of years ago, we probably would have said it was Clubhouse. Everyone went mad oh for that. Oh, God, yes, Remember? Clubhouse, Twitter yeah. Spaces. Oh, <laughs> live, yes. live rooms were just huge. Everyone was like, oh, my goodness, you've got to have one. And then oh, almost as quickly as they came, yeah. they sort of disappeared again. So, yeah, for us, gaming is the big one to think about for 23. Oh, and then from an outdoor perspective, yeah, Mungo, anything big? For 23, I guess, well, we are going to continue to build out the DAX platform and I think that it is a real opportunity. People have been talking about programmatic outdoor for mm. a few years. And I think sometimes they actually confuse it with dynamic, which is yes. slightly different. That's a creative technique, but the programmatic is making the decision to purchase or not. Got it. And I think 23 for me is the year where clients and agencies realize it is absolutely scalable and it needs to start becoming a more frequent part of every campaign got it and that's really the message i think for 2023 yeah so less sort of test and learn and dabbling and more cemented on media absolutely and we're seeing that and we've seen the people who were testing last year coming and actually putting it into their actual strategies and that will definitely continue i think it's going to be a huge growth this year actually yeah good I love the optimism. Uh, Always uh, optimistic. Well, I, I like it. And I guess last question is, you know, we're doing lots of 
hearing from lots of different members, lots of advertisers, agencies on this sort of sense of the market. And it just keeps moving, you know, probably December felt like, you know, recession, cost of living crisis is going to be really difficult. The Burnett and Field, long and short of it stuff gets rolled out again. You know, don't turn off the brand stuff. This year, it feels like, you know, agencies feel quite buoyant about things. Some of the forecasts look probably better than what they did. What's your sense of the market and where it's at? I think it's, you know, there are so many factors that are influencing people's view of the next six months, Mm. the next 12 months. And guessing that, really difficult. I guess there are moments when everybody thinks, oh my goodness, this is all going in the wrong direction. (laughs) And you have a a moment there and then you realise, actually, that's not true. We are going to be okay and the world is going to carry on and... Actually, there are some great products and there are some great initiatives out there. And so I feel very positive about the future. Will we continue to have a few more bumps? You know, will the next, let's hope not, the next coronavirus thing come along? There will be something. Of course there will. We're sort of primed uh, but, for it now. Yeah, but we are we're resilient, and I would yeah. say more resilient than we ever have been yeah, in business. And I think if we'd have had some of these issues ten years ago, it would have been you know really hard to deal with. Yeah. And actually, businesses are much more flexible, much more adaptable yeah. now. And I think that gives us great confidence for uh, overcoming challenges of the future. Uh, I remember retailers talking to a friend who was a planner and a retailer who basically just diverted all of their money into programmatic dish out of home because in various stages of the lockdown, when some stores in Leicester were closed, but other ones in Nottingham were open, that's all they did. They just put all their money into just telling people in I mean, like, you couldn't have done that 10 years ago. Couldn't have had Zoom and Teams and 10 years ago. So, you know. I think it's true sometimes that you learn most from the difficult times. You know, when times are easy, sometimes you just carry on and you don't reinvent and you don't change as much. When you're challenged, you have to look for alternatives. And out of that, you find truths that you wouldn't otherwise have done. So that can be a great help sometimes. Jerry Springer's final thought is with you, Jules. You glass half full or glass half empty? I'm going to go glass half full. I'm also quite excited as well for your IAB ad spend coming out in a couple of months' time because we'll get to see, again, growth of audio, growth of podcast, growth of the market in general. And it's going to be really exciting to see what it looked, you know, what did the final picture of last year look like in preparation for this year? I mean, the trajectory is awesome. Great shout out at the end. You can definitely come back. (laughs) Thank you both so much for giving us some time this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Julia Connelton and Mungo Knott from Dax there. I feel like we should run a Twitter poll on how much traction a Predictions with Ryan Rummery segment might actually garner, a sort of modern-day digital advertising Nostradamus, if you will. I may have said this on the pod before, but had I not gone into digital or display more precisely, Out of Home would totally have been my backup choice. I love it. And there's no mean feat in buying three massive competitors stitching them together creating a new narrative while trying to get the technology and the people and the proposition all right plus then trying to integrate all of that with another bit of your business which in this case was audio i mean it's incredible and it's all worked out rather well hasn't it really and as jules said we are equally excited at the IB about where uk podcast spend will land for 2022 and await with quite frankly, in trepidation for the official ad spend numbers at the end of April. That's it for this week. As ever, thank you for listening and thank you for supporting the pod. 
IAB UK. Building sustainable future for digital advertising.